BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This podcast is a part of the Podmania Podcasting Network. Check out podmania.co.uk to check out more of our great podcasts, features, reviews, match ratings and previews spanning the crazy and diverse world of professional wrestling. Cast your weekly audio source of all things World Wonder Ring Stardom right here on the Pod Mania Podcasting Network. I am your host, Rob Goodwin, and I am joined by independent wrestling's Matt Turner. Matt, how's life on the East Coast, my friend? I am doing fantastic. I'm just uh, kind of sitting here looking at my DMs and my email waiting for my uh, flight and booking information for my big match with Lady C uh, coming up here <laughs> at the end of March. And I still, still haven't. I will climax. I still haven't heard anything yet. I mean, I, I don't know what's going on, but uh, <laughs> I'm sure that, man, I, I'm, I'm great. <laughs> I'm sure the invitation's in the post, man. You know, that graphic looked extremely realistic. It can't be faked in any way, I'm sure. <laughs> in, case, in case people are wondering what we're talking about, about two weeks ago, Rob sent me a text message that there was somebody on Twitter, and I forget who it was. They made a graphic of me versus Lady C at World Climax. And uh, I was like, oh, that's, I said, wow, that, that looks good. That's really funny. And like two or three hours later, Rob winds up putting it up on Twitter and tags Rossi O'Gallo and Stardom in it. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I thought that was just a little ha-ha, whatever. That's fine. You know, there's no such thing as bad press. So that's funny. <laughs> and then about an hour after it went up on Twitter, you know, I, it got a little play on Twitter, but I had two of my really good friends that I'm also wrestlers with that they text me on my personal phone and were like, they were basically – Hey, is this a rib or is this real? Are you really going? Like they were ninety percent sure that it was BS, but the fact that they had to pick up their phone and like literally text me, they're like, "Are you? Re- you're not wrestling. This is this is a re- yes, guys. It's a rib." So I just thought I just thought that was hilarious, and I I, I wanted to talk about it last week 
but there's a little bit bigger news that dropped other than me may or may not wrestling Lady C at a world climax. <laughs> yeah, big shout out to Plug Pedro on our uh, on our Discord. Um, yeah, it, it really, really tickled me. Just just the idea of you taking a giant Carly chop from uh, from Lady C and being annoyed. I'll dare you. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Um, anyway, so just a little bit of housekeeping before we jump straight into a couple of these shows. Obviously, we are coming in hot as we record. We're coming in hot on the heels of Cinderella Journey in Nagaoka pay-per-view. Um, it hasn't been released on Stardom World yet, so this is going to be pretty much the release schedule for our next couple of episodes. In these, in this episode, we're going to be talking about the show from uh, the show in Chiba and the Corrigan Hall show as well. We're going to cover those in this episode, and then on Thursday night, patrons will be getting it early, um, and then on Friday, it will be released everywhere on the free feed. Myself and Matt then will record our uh, pay-per-view review for Cinderella Journey. We're going to record that on Saturday. Uh, patrons, you will get it early on Saturday evening, and then it will drop on the free feed on Sunday. Um, obviously, there is a lot of buzz uh, about one match in particular. I'm not going to go into too much detail about it, um, simply because, uh, you know, by the time you listen to this, you may or may not have seen the show. It may or may not have dropped on Stardom World. Admittedly, Stardom World have actually been pretty good with their uploads recently, but that's probably because they're working poor Sonny on overtime because he had three shows in the space of four days. So uh, we do appreciate him putting everything up. Um, but yeah, overall, Matt, what did you think of these two shows? These were, they were solid. Everything, there was nothing that was throwaway. There were some like really good, like three and a quarter to almost like four-star matches. There was really good stuff, uh, you know, basically leading up to the, for the pay-per-view. So I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy I pretty much enjoy everything, though. I'm like the Kevin Smith of, uh, <laughs> of, 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 of reviewing pro wrestling. I pretty much uh, like everything. But how about you? Yeah, I must admit, the, the first show from Chiba, um, uh, from TKP Garden Center, I, I thought, looking at the card, the, you know, I'm very, very much looking forward to um, Siori and Natsupoi versus Utami and Azumi because, you know, if you're a Stardom fan, why on earth wouldn't you be looking forward to that? But the rest I can I can take or leave. Um, and then coming out of that show, I was like, there were some really, really low-key bangers on that card. And I, before this, I saw some negativity towards uh, the previous couple of shows that we covered um, on the last episode. Um and, you know, I've even seen some people say these are the weakest stardom shows they've put out in a while. And I thought it was good that, you know, obviously we didn't think that. You, you'd you never think that because you are positivity uh, sort of encapsulated. But I thought this show, considering it is, you know, we always say it, but in inverted commas, a road to show, I thought it absolutely banged. And then the Corrigan Hall show, potentially a little bit weaker in ring, but we had so much storytelling going forward that that more than made up for it. We've had another match confirmed for Rio Goku, which, holy mother of God, that is that has the potential. Without getting into it until we get to the show, that has the potential to steal the show map. The two, uh, the two world climax shows right now. I mean, it's only about half the card is put together. It's almost like, I mean, maybe I'm overselling here. It's almost like back to back two Tokyo Dome shows. I mean, and just absolutely loaded. The way that you're looking, I'm looking at those cards. You're like, jeepers! Like those are just the 
what they have right now, absolute bangers. And for what they're kind of teasing and building towards, I mean, these can be two ginormous shows and they have a big venue to fill. I think you were saying uh, last week when we, we recorded, what's it, 7,000 per show? Is that what they, did I have that, do I have that number right? Something that like that. Yeah, something like that. So let me ask you this, under, over, the two shows combined, do they do more than 10,000 paid? Ooh, ooh. Um, right, so what did they pull at Budokan? 3,318 at Budokan. Yeah, and so then... you have to do five and five. However, you have, you know, the second or maybe third biggest star ever in the company coming back. Plus all the giant storylines and all the momentum momentum they've been building, you know, the last year or so. So you have to take that into consideration. Plus, obviously, the buzz coming off the uh, co-main event from the pay-per-view as well. I mean, you've got to think, if they're going to do it, this is the perfect time to do it. Um, you've got Kyrie's return. You've got a red belt match on both nights. You've got a white belt match on both nights, obviously avoiding spoilers for who is the white belt champion at the moment. But obviously you've got those two belts. You've got Kyrie versus Starlight Kid on the second night that's been confirmed as well. You've got Kyrie and Mayu t- teaming and recreating the Thunder Rock, not the Thunder Rock days, the Freedom days um, against uh, Unagi and Tam. My heart just skipped a beat when you said Thunder Rock. <laughs> what did I miss? What did I miss? <laughs> I mean, you've got to be looking at, they've got to be looking at at least, at the minimum, 7,000 over the two days. That That's my, yeah. because with even just on the strength of the two main events, you know, Suri versus Julia, they've built that really, really well. They've built this, sort of bubbling undercurrent of dissension in DDM. And it's been, you know, it's been highlighted again in these two shows that we're going to talk about today. They've really done well in that slow build of Julia sort of, you know, she seems to think at the moment that everything she touches turns to gold. And what we're going to talk about a bit later is, is Julia beginning to spin too many plates at once? because she's got the Prominence feud, she's got the Cosmic Angels feud, having just nabbed Mei Sakurai, she's got this match with Suri, she's got potential disruption in her own unit. You can't help feeling that at some point, and don't forget, DDM are still booked incredibly strong in stardom. Incredibly, arguably the strongest faction in the company at the moment. So you can't help feeling that it's inevitable that it's going to come crashing down. And that sense of inevitability and it possibly coming to a head at World Climax, that has got me extremely excited. And then, of course, you know, irrelevant of what that result is, we have got either Suri versus Mayu or Julia versus Mayu on top on night two. And that is a fantastic match. I mean, the sky's the limit for stardom at the moment. If everyone remains fit, you know, touch wood, there's no reason they shouldn't be reaching 8,000, 9,000, perhaps reaching that 10,000 over the two nights. I think if they reach 10,000 over the two nights, it will be an absolutely outstanding achievement. I, I'm going to put my, uh, I'm going to put my two pence in. I don't think they'll get to 10,000. I well, think, fingers, fingers I think, crossed. Hope they do. Well, I mean, they deserve to 100%. I think maximum we're talking high eight to 9,000 people at the maximum. And I think if they reach that over those two nights, you know, they will have outsold Dream Queendom if they get that collectively over the two weeks. 
because Dream Queen, I think, was just over 3,000. Yeah, I think they want to get to about like 3,500 per show, so like 7,000. I would just maybe just sometimes I dream big, Rob. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> sometimes I dream big. I feel bad now. I feel like I've shot you down. <laughs> no, you, you, you brought me down to earth. So. Yeah, just grounding you. That's all it is, Matt. That's all it is. <laughs> sometimes, you know, sometimes, you know, that's what my wife's for sometimes. Sometimes she's like, you think I'm being mean? She's like, but. Sometimes you just need to get brought, brought back down to earth and just be, and look at it, look at it for what it is. <laughs> Thanks, honey. <laughs> right, let's kick straight into these shows because obviously, the, we'll, I'm sure we will end up talking more about uh, World Climax as we go through these shows. But we'll talk first about the show from the 20th of February, which was from TKP Garden City in Chiba, in front of a recorded attendance of 316 people. We opened with a four-way match with Fukigan Death defeating Hanan, Mirai and Saya Kamatani in 5 minutes and 46 after Death uh, rolled up Hanan with the O'Connor roll. What do I always say, Matt? Well, let's start it off early. Hashtag Rob Goodwin was right. You know, <laughs> it, you know, you know it's so funny because it's just like, you know, we talk about how so busy we are and I'll always read the, not unless it's a giant pay-per-view, but I usually go to Twitter in the morning just to kind of see what happened at the Stardom show the night before. So obviously, I I knew the results of these first two shows, but a day or two later, when I'm watching on Stardom World, I forget what matches happened, and this was the first one that popped up, and it's kind of like a weird like opener. Like you have Saya, the white belt champion, Hannah, the uh, future Stardom champion, Mirai, who just got off this really good title uh, challenge against Sherry, and then you have Book and Death, and I was like. This is just kind of like, like, this is, what do they do? Just like pick four names out of a hat. Like, yeah, that's going to be the opener. And I'm like, well, I know Rob. And I forgot who won this match. And I'm sitting there watching. I'm like, I know Rob always says, bet on, bet on death. I'm like, there's no way. It's got to go to Hannon or maybe the build up Mariah. And sure enough, you know, death winds up rolling up Hannon. I was like, ah, oh, damn it. Hashtag Rob Goodwin is right again. I guess it doesn't matter who you put in a multi-person match. I guess, like, if you bring back, like, Misawa from 94, <laughs> Roman Reigns now, and Ric Flair from 1989 and put them in Fook against, against Fook and Death, I guess Fook and Death's going to wind up rolling somebody up. But uh, It will, I this it will go good. six minutes, and she will roll Ric Flair up. It, it just, yeah. it will happen. <laughs> It'll be an O'Connor roll. She'll spend the entire match having been beaten up, but she will find a way to win. Yeah, I, I, you're absolutely right. But as far as the match goes, this was it, it was solid. It was fun. Uh, turned basically into a Hannah versus Mirai match, which I, I was like, man, I kind of want to see that come her down the pike. Saya got a couple things in. Uh, she didn't look weak at all. Uh, I thought the comedy spots with Death in the beginning were really good, where they're doing like the, the three-way knuckle ace and Fook and Death would just kind of just walk under them, kind of like something you would see on the playground when you were in kindergarten or first grade. <laughs> so uh it didn't go too long. It was, yeah, a lot of star power, you know, to, to open this baby up. And then, you know, as always, death gets the win. So, yeah, this was this this was fun. I'm very vocal about my apathy, let's say, towards Fukik and death at times and how it takes a very, a very good person on the roster to have a good comedy match. I think she does really well with Mayu. Um, she did well with Yunagi, actually, as well. There aren't, 
many people though that when they have a singles match with death i think oh i'm gonna go out of my way to watch that however this despite myself i was really entertained by this match now i talked myself out of fuki and death winning i was convinced that mariah was gonna win and it was gonna set up a white belt challenge against saya further down the line but sure enough you know fuki and death spends the majority of the match being beaten to a pulp and then rolls up hannon uh literally out of nowhere. So I actually gave this two and three core stars. Thoroughly enjoyable. There was enough little comedy spots that were different to what Death usually does to keep me to keep me entertained. Hannon looked great. Mirai just decapitating people with clotheslines. Saya Kamatani, her usual athletic self. Yeah, it it was a decent opener, despite the complete mismatch you mentioned earlier. Um yeah, so not too bad at all. We then kicked into a tag team match with the Donna Del Mondo team of Himika and Micah defeating the Ueretai team of Rina and Ruaka in 9 minutes and 32 seconds with the Enka Atoshi. Um, I'm going to go on a limb, Matt, and say that my MVP over these two shows was Rina. I thought between this and the main event at Corican, bearing in mind that she is 15 years old, I thought she looked really, really good in these two matches. Oh, I didn't realize she was that young. Like, there's like three or four people on the Stardom roster that are younger than my daughter. Just <laughs> Jesus. What, what, I, I think that means I need to start teaching my daughter how to throw forearms and knees. But anywho... Uh... If your daughter's not locking uh, you in the hydrangea in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be fuming. I teach her how to do the double wrist lock. Uh <laughs> But yeah, you know, even Rena, uh, for the you know, we'll talk about it when we get to the the Corican show. She had a brand new look, uh, you know, for the main event. And I think I even texted you. I was like, wow, her look. She looks completely different. She looks like a huge star. Just like there's a huge star already at that young age. So, um, I guess I see your your point of view. Obviously, you can have your own opinion. It doesn't mean you're right or wrong. I I don't think she was the star of these two shows. I think to me, the the MVP of the shows was uh, the team of Mike and Himika. Now, obviously, they've been the goddess of of uh, stardom tag champs before but to me uh they're just gelling even better like they're getting even better and i noticed this in this match and the the, the six uh the artist of stardom uh main event and the next show and they just seem to be gelling better and it's at a point and i know they just had a tag title shot but if they were to build themselves back up and then like win the tag belts in two or three months i wouldn't be disappointed at all i just think they're just they're constantly getting better and i'm a big fan of how they get towards the finish with those they'll hit like dueling clotheslines and then they hit that sandwich clothesline where it's just like geez it looks like they just absolutely just destroy whoever they're in the ring with but i thought this was really really solid and i just like the way that mike and himika are really gelling well together and you know we all are predicting that somewhere down the line they're going to do a ddm civil war split i just hope that these two are on the same side himika is one of the only people on this roster you know mirai as well the speed they build in hitting those clotheslines, you look at them and go, there's no way you can possibly pull that. It just looks so solid. And fair play to Rena, especially, who took a lot of these clotheslines in the uh, the closing sequence and took them like a champ. But seriously, that, that pace she builds up in the corner and with that double clothesline that you spoke about before, it's it's frightening. 
at times. But I completely agree with you. I think the chemistry between Himika and Mike are a second only to ALK um, in terms of tag teams. I think there will definitely be another tag team run in Himika and Mike. Of course, there's a lot of people touting Azumi and Utami as well. I mean, if we've got a tag division of FWC, Himika and Mike and Azumi and Utami, I'm a very, very happy person because that is a hard-hitting tag team. And then, of course, you've got Mina and Yunagi, who've progressed hugely in the last couple of weeks, and obviously they've had their shot at the pay-per-view. Again, I don't know the result, but overall, the reason I say that Rina is the MVP, um, I'll quantify what I mean. She's 15 years old, so by right, she is future of stardom level, um, and she had one of the better matches with Yunagi during Yunagi's reign. But here she felt, I've always felt like she is the most charismatic of, in inverted commas, the children, you know, Rina, Riwaka, Hanan, um, and Hina. But here she was charismatic. She was a good storyteller. She sold well. Um, she didn't feel out of place against bigger opponents. You know, your likes of Himika and Mike. And I thought she kept up with the speed of Natsupoi. I thought over these two shows, she progressed from everyone thinking, well, oh, she, she could do things, to she has real star potential. And for me, she has the highest ceiling of those four children. Um, obviously we, we haven't seen Hina in a while she's still at school Ruaka for me is a little bit hit and miss at the moment Hannon is very very good if we get a main event feud you know three four years down the line of Rina versus Hannon then that is very very exciting but you know overall this match it was setting up the Corrigan Hall show you know the challenge of younger Weretai for the artist of stardom belts um, Donna Del Mondo winning fairly handily in under 10 minutes. I gave it two and three quarters again, Matt. What about you? Yeah, I was about two and a half. I was just about two and a half. But yeah, going on about Rena, even, you know, I always watch the little things like her ring positioning and timing where she needed to be to sell uh, as well, you know, and the selling, selling and selling as a heel. Obviously, Yoweda Tai is, you know, the biggest heel faction in there. But yeah, I was, I was about two and a half. So usually uh, right on uh, close to you. We move on then to a tag team match uh, between Donna Del Mondo's Natsupoi and Suri and Queen Quest Utami and Azumi, which ended in a 15-minute time limit draw. Utami bringing out the Azumi haircut, Matt. Yeah, going back to uh, her roots. Uh, I guess pun intended, no pun intended, roots <laughs> in the hair. But uh, I was just like, huh, I saw the pictures and I... I was like, I was kind of hit or miss on it. And then I was watching a clip of Utami and Siri from last year. And I was like, I don't know. I just like the long hair with the uh, the red dye. I, I just like that so much better. Um, so as far as the haircut goes, for me, it's a thumbs down. But by no means did it hinder her work. Uh, it was just a different look. And again, that's what that's what stardom does. Uh, they just, they, they're constantly shuffling the deck and making sure everybody looks good. And they're keeping their look fresh. And, you know, we talk about from time to time, like, who are they signing? Who are they keeping? Who are they looking to sign? They really, I don't know if they're a person's on a contract, but the person that makes these outfits and the 52 masks for Starlight Kid and uh, <laughs> all these jackets and whatever, that's the person they, they need. They're like, that's the person we need to sign. We need to keep locked down to a contract because 
I'm assuming they have to have their uh, own seamstress for how much different gear that these uh, ladies are pumping out almost on a different show basis. I mean, that in my mind is why Queen's Quest have only got four members, because if anybody else joined Queen's Quest and had to have another ring jacket, I think whoever they've employed as a seamstress would have a heart attack. Um, because between Azumi's different jackets um, over the last couple of years, we've got Utami, who's had a new one recently. Sai's had a new one recently. Um, obviously, she's got to make one for Lady C, who I've seen has come out in new gear for the pay-per-view. That poor woman must be working, or man must be working literally round the clock. And then, of course, like you say, <laughs> Starlight Kids masks, which are sh- different one per show. And don't forget, she's got her over mask and the one she wears in the actual ring. So, yeah, poor woman or bloke or whoever. I really do feel for them if it's not an independent one for each person. Um, this match, though. <laughs> I'm I'm never going to get bored of seeing Natsupoi and Azumi wrestle. That high-speed opening, and I say every time Azumi is in the ring, but that high-speed opening was flawless. The timing between these two is immaculate. Yeah, it, even, obviously, they start off with the high-speed stuff to get it going fast. Uh, I guess, pun intended. Uh, uh, you know, to kind of get the crowd going and the psychology going. But even Azumi, she always, I mean, not that she's, she's already top level in stardom, but she even gets better each time out. Where I think she improved so much better here was her selling. And I even wrote down on my notes, she's Mayu level selling. I mean, and if anybody's listened to this podcast before, they know I put Mayu Itani, probably the top five sellers in the world and one of the all time, you know, best sellers as far as female wrestling goes. But she was like touching Mayu level of selling here. Like the, the building of the selling, the believability, the offensive selling, bringing it back. And then it's like they tag out, and you're like, oh, man, they tagged out. That was great. And then they tag out to the feud of the year, which is Siri and Utami. I'm like, oh, this has got to be just as good. <laughs> and it sure as heck was. I mean, you talked about how you'll never get tired of seeing Azumi and Natsupoi. I'll never get tired of seeing Siri and Utami. Like, their chemistry just works so well together. And Siri strikes. I mean, geez. I mean, we talk about it all the time, but we can we can, we can never overlook it. Her strikes are just so, they're so spot on. She hits hard in safe places. But she's bringing it. Uh, I mean, when she's throwing the forearms, the kicks, the knees, you know, everything. And then Utami's just giving it right back. I mean, everything Utami did in this match made perfect sense. And I'm just waiting for them to, you know, build Utami back up to, uh, you know, hopefully get a challenge at the Red Belt somewhere in the future, whether it's Sherry or Julia or Momo or uh, or uh, Mayu. Uh, but I, that this was just, I mean, how can you dislike this match? This match was just fantastic. You talked about chemistry. I mean, Nats Point Siori have great chemistry because they are so different in how they wrestle. And it's the same with Azumi and Utami. I think I actually like... I, I was mortified when Momo turned on Queen's Quest because we get no more Momo AZ. And we've both said at different points that they were one of our favorite tag teams in the entire promotion. However, I'm starting to really, really dig Azumi and Utami as a team. You've got the speed of Azumi and the absolute powerhouse that is Utami. Together, they just look and feel like such a team already. It feels like they've been teaming for years. And you talked about, going back to what you said about Suri Strikes, there was one point where she was kicking Utami in the chest. And, you know, I'm sure that it's in this exchange, Utami was supposed to be stoic and holding her ground, but the kicks were coming in that hard that she's literally flooring Utami. Utami can't keep a base because Suri is kicking her so hard. And... Something I noticed about Suri in this match, obviously she's going to be carrying herself differently. She's the red belt champion. 
But something I noticed here is even in ring, she's got a swagger that she didn't have before because she's got that monkey off her back of, I've never beaten Utami. However, now she's laying those kicks in, swaggering around the ring, taking her time because she knows that she's got Utami's number. She's beaten Utami. She's taken that red belt off her. And that slight change in dynamic between Siori and Utami keeps that feud fresh, which I really, really like. And like I said, Natsupoi and Izumi put on a low-key classic last year at Budokan, so anytime I get to see them wrestle, I am all for it. I gave this three and three quarters. I think on this show, it's my match of the show. Yeah, I was a solid four stars here. But yeah, you're right. We're talking about Siri. She has a different swagger. Yeah, when you beat somebody, it makes it for a different dynamic. I mean, even if you see it like in UFC or any MMA or even any sport where it's just like we've beaten this team before, I've beaten this person before. So you have that little bit of swagger. It creates a different dynamic and a different psychology to it. So, yeah, that was a, a good insight there, Rob. Way to go, sir. Thank you. <laughs> you make me feel so good about myself, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> you should, sir. Oh, thank you. Um, anyway, we move on to our semi-main event. It was an eight-woman tag team match with the stars team of Hazuki, Kogama, Mayu Iwatani, and Momo Kogo defeating the Cosmic Angels team of Mina Shirakawa, Tam Nakano, and Yunagi Sayaka, and Wakasukiyama in 15 minutes and one second with Momo Kogo getting the pinfall over Wakasukiyama with her fisherman suplex, which she calls the Nectar Peach. They're very high on Momokogo, aren't they, Matt? Yeah, you had a lot of stars in this match, and she's, she gets the win. And I like how she did like the wrist, the wrist clutch style, a la like, uh, BJ Whitmer in uh, Ring of Honor and June Akiyama in All Japan and Pro Wrestling Noah. But I'm going to got kind of, I, I literally wrote this down as a note. It's probably the one negative. Uh, it may not even be a negative about this whole show is so Cosmic Angels comes out and they do their dance. And I literally, I'm watching the match and whenever they come out and I know they're going to do a dance, everything in my house has to stop, right? Has to stop. So you got the four of them. Did you ever go to like a kindergarten or first grade or second grade, like play or like Christmas formal or whatever? And there's that one kid that just can't get the dance down or whatever. So they stick him in the back behind like the really good dancer or singer. That's what they did here because Waka was all the way in the back and covering her was Tam. So you couldn't <laughs> see anything that she did. I just thought that was smart. <laughs> I'll be honest, mate. I know that that's a thing because I was Waka. I was whacker in those uh, yep. first grade plays. Me, me too, sir. I'm still, I'm still, I'm still in my late thirties. I'm still whacker. Maybe that's why I gravitate towards her so much. But uh, other than that, I thought this was really good. It just seems like the Cosmic Angels. They're uh, they turn ever since the, Mai's turn. They've turned the intensity up. Like even like right from the get go, all four of them coming out and they have like really no qualm towards stars really if anything stars should have a qualm against them since you know they left them a year ago but they come out like looking for heads like these four ladies are coming out like just looking for headhunters they were just fired up and tam who can be in, uh, pretty intense as the match gets going she's intense from the get-go i mean on a new level um you know the, the match winds up breaking down and they basically give us a preview of fwc versus me and Unagi. smart booking because that's the match on the pay-per-view yeah, out of all these eight women, especially on the stars team, they give Momo Kogo the pin. And if they're gonna, I guess you're gonna give give her the win, give her a win with her new move. Good way to debut it. But I thought this was solid. I gave this one three and a half stars. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Anytime you get Mayu in the ring with Tam, I mean, there's no way that can be bad. 
No, absolutely not. You're absolutely right. The, it was notable that the aggression was turned up, I thought, especially from Yunagi, who was having literally none of Kogama's bear shit and was literally just laying in forearms, refusing to do any sort of comedy. And I thought that was a really, really good story. But as for Wacker, I mean, she's still without a win. She's still without a pinfall victory. And now it seems that Momokogo has sort of surpassed it in... Um, in the standings, so to speak. But I find it so hard not to root for Wacker. And I think that's, if that's what Stardom are doing, you know, building Wacker as this giant, for lack of a better word, loser, who just can't get a pinfall victory, but is so endearing. You know, she's part of this group who, you know, they're all dancers and they can all do these fantastic moves. And she's in the back sort of, forgetting half of the moves, just doing random arm movements at random points, hoping they fit in. The way she sells in the ring, the way she is, you know, her facials, that, like I said last week, that May Sakurai turn was made by how upset Wacker got, by just how much she sold it. And it's the same here. You know, that utter despair in her face as she's lost another match. She's let everybody down by being the one who got pinned. And I think when she eventually gets that first pinfall, which I assume, considering what has happened over these two shows, we are going to get a singles match with May Sakurai and Wacker's going to get a pinfall win. But the way they've built Wacker has been fantastic. And yeah, she can't dance, like, at all. Like, she makes me look good and I'm terrible. But in the ring, she is steadily, steadily improving and she's becoming one of the best pure baby faces on the stardom roster, Matt. Um, I completely agree with you. I gave it three and a half stars. I thought the opening was hot. We had a little bit of a lull in the middle, which was good because then we got the stuff with Mina and Yunagi and Hazuki and Kagama before the pay-per-view. And then we had the hot finish with Momo Kogo, who, despite having only wrestled a handful of matches, is going from strength to strength and doesn't feel out of place in a match like this, which is great and real testament to Hazuki's training, which we'll be uh, talking about later. Um... Let's move on then. The main event of this show was a six-woman tag team match. Donna Del Mondo team of Julia, May Sakurai and Tekla defeating the Ueditai team of Momo Watanabe, Saki Kashima and Starlight Kid with Julia pinning Saki in 18 minutes and four seconds with the glorious driver. Just a few statistics, Matt, and... I want your opinion on this, and I'd like to hear, obviously, on our Discord and Twitter, your opinions as well. Starting with 16 events in 2022 so far, just we reached the end of April. This is including um, the Cinderella Journey in Nagawoka show um, on the 23rd. On those 16 events, Suri, the Red Belt champion, supposedly the pinnacle of the roster, has main-evented four of those shows, so 25% of those shows. Julia has main-evented eight. Half of those events have had Julia on top. Now, do you read anything into that, Matt? I know that when Utami was uh, was the Red Belt champion as well, she wasn't on the top of the card much, Either. Is it just a case that Julia is more marketable? Is it the fact that Donna Del Mondo as a whole are more marketable? What do you think it is that has Julia on top and not Suri? Is it the fact that Julia just 
has more storylines going on at the moment that they feel are main event worthy? That's a good question. You make a good point. I'm of the old school that your champion should always close out all the shows. Now, they're very big on the white belt, so I can see it from time to time if you want to have Saya close out the shows. But maybe it is the fact that Julia is kind of, you know, as you said, spinning a lot of plates. Uh, she's creating a lot of enemies. Uh, she's She is more charismatic on the microphone. She's more charismatic of a personality than Sherry, even though Sherry comes out with the red belt and, and kind of owns the room uh, as she comes out because she's such a dominating figure. I think Julia has, and we talked about this before, has that it factor just a little bit more than Sherry. So, I, you know, that's something I never picked up on. I haven't picked up that the DDM has been in the main events almost like 90% of these shows, which is just like, you know, when is the bubble going to burst? It's, you know, it's it's going to happen soon, obviously, because there's so many members. But maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's just because she has so many so many stories going that they kind of put her on last or I mean, that is, that's a, that's a good question. And you made a lot of good points, but to me, uh, Sherry should be closing out some of these shows or just put Sherry and Julia in these matches. Most of these main events on these quote unquote road to shows are, you know, six person or eight person tag matches. So they should just be putting Sherry and Julia on, you know, together on those shows. Plus, you know, for us as fans, it gives us a little bit of a uh, ALK as well. So, but yeah, that's a good question. I think it might just be because Julia is just might be a little bit more, more remarkable than Siri. I think that's the kind of way they're looking at it. And plus, it's building her up. They're building her up more than they're building up Sherry. So I think Sherry's going to go over at their title match at World Climax. So I think that that would just make Sherry look, you know, just more powerful going into that second night. And that's just me kind of just spitballing. Yeah, I mean... There is that. I mean, I know that Julia main events this show. It's it's her hometown, so it makes sense for her to headline this show. But you know, sixteen shows and series only main evented four, and one of those was the pay per view. So I don't know. I just I feel like I'd want. It was a complaint I had when Utami was champion as well. I didn't feel like she main evented enough of the smaller shows, or you know, again for lack of a better word, the road two shows. Um. But putting that aside, we had new gear for Mei Sakurai. Um, she took a lot of offense from Awaretai. What did you think about the in-ring action? And what did you think of the new black gear for Mei Sakurai? You know, again, another a fresh coat of paint. You know, she's over on Donald Del Mundo. You know, they're kind of, I guess, ha- you can, I guess they're quasi-heel, but I think May is like the most over as a heel because nobody, the way that that, the way she turned on poor Waka and just, really, you know, pissing off Tam. So the fact that she's in all black gear, you know, makes her the, 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 the big heel. You know, anytime anybody's in all, anything in all black, you immediately think of Darth Vader. So at least that's just a Star Wars <laughs> fan of me and just, you know, I, the evil right there. Obviously, Katsuri Shibata is the, and uh, wrestling is the complete exception to the rule. Uh, to me, he's all, will always be a baby face. But anywho, no, it was, it, it, it was nice to kind of see her do something different because now she's, you know, she's in this group. But, uh, you know, in the Donald Del Mundo group, and she had that heel turn that basically just broke everybody's heart. Uh, but I thought, as far as the match goes, I thought the match was excellent. I thought the match was really good. You have Tekla in there with Starlight Kid, and that seems to be, Starlight Kid seems to be the best seller, the best feeder for not only Tekla, just about everybody in the company. I mean, she's just so good. And when Momo got in there with Tekla, I thought that that was really fun. Because uh, even Mo- Momo knew where to feed, she knew where to be. She made all of Tekla's stuff look good. And then it basically breaks down. And to me, like the big money match coming out of this is Julian Momo. I mean, these two just beat the bejesus out of each other. Uh, then you get towards the end and uh, 
Saki, it basically came down to like a one-on-one match with Saki and Julia. So, you know, they have their stars they have at the top, and it seems like they're pushing Saki more towards like the upper mid card here. That's the way that I see it. Obviously, uh, I mean, I, I thought she looked really, really good here, you know, and there were Juliet that the, the finishing stretch. I mean, at the moment, they seem to be splitting Awelatai into two very clear sort of sub-factions where you've got Awelatai and then the younger Awelatai is the being sort of um, marketed at the moment, which, again, we'll talk about um, on the Corrigan show. And I think Saki at the moment is, for want of a better phrase, the pin-eater of Awelatai, you know, the top-level Awelatai. So when you've got someone in the main event... Saki is going to be the one taking the pinfall because you need to protect Momo. You need to protect Starlight Kid. And then, you know, you're sort of going into the young ones, Reno, Ruaka, and then, of course, Fukik and Death, um, who, you know, doesn't tend to main event many shows, and rightly so. Um, obviously, I don't know how this will change when Tora comes back. It's going to be a very, very interesting dynamic in a wedding time when Tora does come back because at the moment, it feels very much like Starlight Kid is de facto leader and is she going to go willingly back into a second in charge like she was in stars behind Mayu or is it going to be a case of now I've I've had a taste of leadership I like this taste of leadership are we going to see Tora sort of shunted from the group it's going to be an interesting dynamic it was just something that I thought because obviously we saw uh, Tora here and we saw Tora in the main event of uh, of Corican. overall I gave this three and a quarter I thought he was great I thought May looked good um, taking a lot of offense like I said Momo and Julia I'm never not going to like that because again they just beat seven shades out of each other Tekla's improving every single match um, again like you mentioned Starlight and her have absolutely outstanding chemistry my only complaint, apart from the fact that you think May Sakurai looks like Darth Vader, which is now her name on this podcast. Um, yes. <laughs> just It just went a touch too long. I don't think it needed 18 minutes, but that is a very, very minor complaint. Um, yeah, three and a quarter stars, Matt. What about you? Three and a quarter. Write that down with you. You're good, sir. Get in. Right. Well, in that case, let's move on then. Let's move on to the Stardom Show from Corrigan Hall on the 21st of February in front of a near sold-out crowd of 714 people. Now, before we get into any action whatsoever, we have the debut of a brand-new rookie. Now, we did mention on the last podcast that our rookie had passed their pro wrestling test, at the time, I didn't know the uh, rookie's name uh, and then found it instantly once I uploaded the podcast. Um, so Mia Matsuda, she's 19. Um, she's going to make her debut on the New Blood show on March 11th. She came out to the ring, introduced herself. She's 19, like I say. And she says that I would love to have my debut match against Utami. Utami comes out, says... I'm more than happy to fight you, but I've got expectations. They bow, they leave, and before Matsuda can leave, uh, Rossi Ogawa speaks. Um, Again, you don't often remember that Rossi Ogawa actually has a voice, um, but he said that not only are you going to debut on the March 11th card, but you're also going to main event that show. So we meant we ran through the card last week. That new blood show in um, Shinagor in on March 11th, is going to be main evented by uh, Yutami Hayashista versus Miyu Matsuda in Matsuda's debut match. What do you think about that, Matt? Well, this is like 
someone coming at you for and they're like, yeah, I want to wrestle Brian Danielson on my first match. I was like, man, you're really asking for something. Uh, smart booking, though. You're going to put your Tommy on the show. You already have Starlight Kid on the show. You're going to draw tickets. You're going to draw eyes. I mean, I know me and you already talked about how can we see the show. You know, we're two people that want to see the show. We'll, if uh, we have access to it, we'll more than likely review the show. So I thought that was smart. Uh, obviously, she she had a lot of passion in her promo, you know, and you're putting in the ring with you, Tommy, you, Tommy can work a sheep, a goat, a broomstick and a dolphin. And it all would be good. I, I covered everything there. You know? um, There's more and I, more I, animals I, each time. Other objects, But uh, and I also thought too, when they went to Rossio guy, when he grabbed the microphone, I thought it was, did you ever see the movie uh, with Chevy Chase and memoirs of invisible man? Yes. Yes. Okay. You, you know how, like, as because he's invisible, he has to wrap himself up so people can see him. That's what Rossi Ogawa looked like. Between the glasses, the scarf, the hat, the mask, and the microphone, I was just like, if you didn't like the, the, his hat is almost like the signature, almost like Jim Ross with a cowboy hat. But like, if you didn't know who that was, you'd be like, who is that floating person, you know, talking? Because he's, so, and I just thought that was funny. You know, God bless Rossi Ogawa. The guy's an absolute genius, but it's just. I just thought that was funny. He like grabbed the mic. He didn't even stand up or get in the ring. He was just right there at the kind timekeeper's table. He's like, yeah, it's gonna be the main event. I'm like, okay, Chevy Chase. Right? <laughs> <laughs> he did look a little bit like a floating head, and it did make me laugh that he didn't even change position. He didn't sit up. He just sat there and was like, I'm I'm warm. I'm not moving in case I get cold again. I will point out, I don't know if it was outside the Corrigan show or if it was outside the Chiba show, but it had they had 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 very, very heavy snow. Um, so it chances are it was absolutely freezing cold. So I don't blame Rossi for wrapping up, but yeah, he did look like a floating head, bless him. Um, we move on then to the opener, which was the tag team match. Oedetai, Fukigan Death and Saki Kashima defeating the Stars team of Hannon and Koguma in 8 minutes and 28 seconds with Saki pinning Hannon with the Mai emblem. Another Fukigan Death win, Matt. Yeah, there. This was even a multi-person one, but yeah, like two and zero this weekend. Uh, I thought to start, you know, Hannon on the cell was really, really good. She did a really good job selling. You can tell that she's being coached up on the selling by Koguma, by, by Hazuki, and obviously by the the goat of selling, uh, Mayui Watani. Uh, so <laughs> I, that was good, and I liked how they built towards like the hot tag. Like she kept taking heat, taking heat, taking heat, and she does this really good judo throw. Like Saki came off the ropes and she cut her off with the judo throw. And her momentum carried her over to where Koguma was for the for the hot tag. So I thought that was just a little spot as a tag wrestler that I I, I wrote down and I kind of gave uh, two thumbs up there. And Saki's getting much better with these kicks. It seems like ever since the Tekla match, where she's doing a little more single stuff, she's added the kicks in to her arsenal. I don't know if you picked up on that, but I thought that there's another dynamic to her that just that's just uh, that she's adding to it. Yeah, and then she gets the my emblem uh, on Hannah for the win. I thought that this was another solid opener. Yeah, completely agree. I mean, you've got Hannon in there, you've got fucking Death in there, but Kogama's fantastic, Saki's fantastic, Hannon's improving all the time, and Fukigan Death has a newspaper. So, you know, it's a different dynamic, but I thought overall the four women put together a very solid match. Like you mentioned, Kogama is just absolutely sensational. It's like she's never been away. Saki, like you mentioned, that extra dynamic that she's added to her character with the more aggressive strikes really suits the way she wrestles. Um, and yeah, overall, absolutely fine match. Hannon's improving all the time, and that's what she needs. She just needs reps, especially as the future of Stardom champion with more of a focus on it. You want to just keep improving that. Overall, I gave it two and a half. It was fine, Matt. 
Yeah, two and three fourths for me. I like just a little bit better. Maybe because of the judo throw and the kicks. Maybe because <laughs> of the judo throw. <laughs> um, we move on to a singles match then with Momo Watanabe defeating Mina Shirakawa in 10 minutes and 11 seconds with a schoolboy after Mina hits the exposed turnbuckle. Now, these two have got an interesting history. Obviously, they put on an absolute undercard classic in the five-star. I really enjoyed that match. But they also had a match at, oh, now, I think it was Yokohama Cinderella in spring. And it was all to do with this storyline of basically Cosmic Angels was Tam and Friends. Queen's Quest was sort of saying, you can't do anything without Tam. So Saya took on Yunagi and Momo took on Mina. Um, and despite the fact that both Queen's Quest women win, won, um, Mina and Yunagi gave a good account of themselves. And to that point, it was probably Mina and Yunagi's best singles matches. So Mina's got a point to prove here. Um, what did you think overall? Before I get into the match, so you talked about the two matches before, and if you folks want to go back and uh, read a write-up on it, there's a book called <laughs> Living the Dream, Stardom 10th Anniversary Interview by my good friend and Carl's Rob Goodwin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I always looking to get that in, brother. Oh, but amazing. I thought this was... I thought this was really good. I didn't care too much for the finish, but everything else leading up to it was really good. They started out with some really good chain wrestling. Like, I've never seen Mina, like, chain, like, that well. Like, all of her holds were in tight. Everything made sense. Uh, you know, the feeds that she was feeding into Momo was really good. And then she broke out of a headlock and just decided to hit the hardest hitter in stardom as hard as she possibly can with a forearm. And I literally stopped what I was doing because usually I'll write my notes, like, after the match, not unless something happens during the match. And I write down a note and I put... Somebody must have just pissed off Mina. It just seems like all these cosmic angels are just all pissed off ever since um, Sakurai leaving to go to Donald Del Mundo. But she just decides to take Momo, the hardest hitter in the company, and just forearm her several times as hard as humanly possible. Now, as someone who throws forearms and that absolutely loves Mitsuhara Misawa, those forearms were tight. They were in there, but she was hitting hard in a safe spot. You can tell where she was hitting was in a safe spot. So, uh... I like that, and I like the fact knowing that she was going to get her, uh, her her coming ups uh, in a few minutes, and she <laughs> sure did. I mean, Momo was just blistering her with these kicks towards the end of the match. I mean, everything was just really solid, hard hitting. You know, made sense. Cosmic Angels are all upset. Uh, Momo was you know in this this big heel heel role, so she's using a lot more of her striking. And then they get towards the end where the ref kind of gets bumped out a little. Mina has the uh, the Mina uh, glamour special, the Mina special, the roll up she does. Referee doesn't see it, and I just didn't like the finish how she hit the exposed steel and she just got rolled up. Like maybe if she would have hit the uh, the steel that uh, Toro took the pad off, and then maybe Momo hit a kick or a B driver, I think it would have would have kind of meant a little more. But I just didn't understand how we were kind of protecting Mina against Momo here. Uh, I said I really enjoyed the match. I gave it three and a half stars. It would have been closer to four, but I, to me, I think the finish was just weak. But I thought everything leading up to the match was just really, or excuse me, everything leading up to the finish was just really, really solid. The difficulty is with this is, of course, you want to keep Mina strong for the tag match, um, for the tag title match at the pay per view. So I do understand it to a certain extent. I'd like, and you know. With the same with every Momo match at the moment. I want to see Momo run through opponents, and I don't feel like she has, with the exception of Azumi. Um, but the finish did feel a bit flat for me as well. I feel like if Mina was on top for a longer period of time, then hits the exposed turnbuckle, and that stops her momentum, and then Momo sort of hits a couple of moves, and then 
that's the win. I just feel like it was very anticlimactic. But I suppose with Momo being a heel, you know, in her post-match, she's pointing to her head, she's clever, you know, she's sort of used that aggression of Mina against her. I can sort of see it. I can sort of see what they were going for. It just, same same as you, it didn't quite hit home for me. I gave it three and a quarter. I thought both women gave good accounts of themselves. I think Momo, every time she hits the ring, she's growing more into this heel character. And I think heel Momo is what we needed and what she needed because she feels like a completely different character. Mina improves every time she's in the ring. I don't think yeah. I don't think there's anything at the moment that I look at and go, she needs to improve on that. Her selling's good. She knows when to do the comedy like she did with Tekla. She knows when to do the hard-hitting, aggressive stuff like she's done over these two shows. Again, massively, massively improved, both her and Yunagi. Let's say three and a quarter. Finish just fell a bit flat. But again, it was second on the card. We weren't going to get an absolute banger out of these two, were we? Well, you could have. Yeah, I suppose we could have done. <laughs> All right, Matt. <laughs> we move on then to a six-woman tag team match with the Queen's Quest team of Sayaka Matani, Utami Hayashista, and Azumi defeating the Stars team of Mayu Watani, Hazuki, and Momokogo with Azumi pinning Momokogo with the diving foot stomp in 11 minutes and 29 seconds. You've got Queen's Quest, Mayu, and Hazuki in the same ring. No offense, Momokogo. This was never going to be bad, Matt. No, but Momokogo was in this match a lot, which again, reps, reps in with the right people. Show before, uh, you know, she got the win. She's in there with the right people, but she's tagging with Hazuki and Mayu, and she's in the ring with Azumi, Saya, and Yutami. How are you not? And, you know, they're obviously big on her. So she was, she might have been in this match the most of any of the stars team. But yeah, this was excellent. I mean, it was nonstop, like, don't blink. Everything made sense. They didn't do, they didn't do moves just for the sake of moves. And they, uh, their finishing stretch was Azumi and Momokogo, which I thought was really good. And again, that's a singles match, you know, an eight, nine, ten minute singles match somewhere down the line that I would really like to see. But Azumi with that double foot stomp, she seems to be going that to that a lot on her opponents. And she just covers a lot of ground with that thing. But uh, yeah, this was solid. I gave this one three and three fourth stars. Again, there's no way this match could have been could have been bad with these six in there. Yeah, I mean, to be perfectly honest, once you realised that Momokogo was on the Stars team, you knew she was taking the pin. Um, plus, you know, you want Queen's Quest to get as many victories as possible as they continue that sort of rehab after Momo's leaving. Um, to be honest, you covered everything. Um, there's not a lot else to say about this match. It was good, high-speed, fun. Um, everyone looked good. Um and yeah, I gave it three and a half. Thought it was really good. My personal second favorite on this show. I thought it was really good fun. Well, yeah. And what more? What more can you ask? What for, more sir? can you ask for, Matt? Exactly. Um, we move on then to the fourth match, which was another six-woman tag team match with the Donna Del Mondo team of May Sakurai, Mirai, and Julia defeating the Cosmic Angels team of Tam Nakano, Yunagi Sayaka, and Waka Tsukiyama, with uh, May Sakurai getting another pinfall victory over Waka Tsukiyama with her terrible diving elbow drop in 15 minutes and 20 seconds. Love the finish, hate the move, Matt. Yeah, this kind of broke down almost into three matches, Julian Tam, Yunagi and Mirai, and uh, Mai and Waka, which is kind of sometimes what these multi-person matches tend to do. 
But it just seems like we've, and this was a good solid match, but it just seems like we've seen this before. We've seen, you know, either a six or an eight person with the DDM team led by Julia versus the Cosmic Angels team by, by Tam. And I think that maybe they, I don't know if they're building towards another Tam Julia match somewhere down the road. But it just seemed like, okay, well, what do we have on the card? Let's put them in together again. Uh, they all worked hard. It was a really good, solid match. But to me, it was just like, I've kind of seen it again. And then the finish, you have that diving elbow, which uh, you know, to, isn't really all that well. And considering the fact that you have the uh, queen of the uh, diving elbow, it, not only back on the <laughs> roster, but in the building as well. It's just like, I don't, I would have loved, because I would have loved, I think she was sitting next to Rossi during the show. I would love to have a camera on the two of them, Rossi Ogawa in his uh, memoirs of an invisible man gear. And, uh, and Kari, Kari saying Kari Hojo, Kari, whatever you want to call her. Like just watching, it's just like, I have the greatest elbow since Macho Man Randy Savage. And this person's doing one that looks terrible. And it's the finish of this match. I hope like somebody pulled her aside and was just like, yeah, that's, that's it for you. That's the last time you're using that one. You know? <laughs> she does, know, that... she does need another finish, man. Like she went through a yeah. phase. She had like a, a double underhook face buster that she was using, which she was really good at and would have worked a lot better. I just think that this diving elbow drop is so wooden. And again, when you put it against the insane elbow, it's like night and day. I mean, there are so many different moves that May could use as a finish, and I just don't think that it should be that move, and I hate it to the point where I genuinely just stop watching. But I do like the fact that May, or Darth Vader, as we call her now, um, has beaten Wacker once again. Um, again, Wacker has disappointed Cosmic Angels, and the fact that May Sakurai then comes out with, what does she say at the end? Well, you're the reason I left Cosmic Angels because you never got a win. It's like, Jesus Christ, that's a bit savage. But again, it's all piling this hatred onto May and building Wacker into this, this baby face that you are desperately, desperately behind. So overall, I thought it did its job. Again, we've we've seen it a lot, but I feel... The focus, <clears throat> sorry, the focus isn't necessarily on Julia and Tam at the moment. It's more on May and Wacker, which I'm fine with because, like I said before, I feel like they are building towards a singles match between the pair where Wacker will get her win back. So it doesn't bother me. I wouldn't go out of my way to see this one. I think that we've there are better Donna Del Mondo and Cosmic Angels matches, you know, this year. But even so, it it was fine for what it was setting out to do. We then moved. Did you real- Hold on, I'm going to cut you off there. So, did you realize what we just did when we reviewed this match? We just quoted Macho Man Randy Savage twice. I said Macho Man elbow drop, and you said that May was very savage in her promo. So, how about that? <laughs> the cream of the crop. <laughs> <laughs> my phone number's on the back of my license. <laughs> um, just. On a completely different tangent, speaking about Macho Man Randy Savage, I'm uh, I'm currently ra- this isn't a plug for my book, by the way, but I'm currently watching through 1995 to do um, like an Attitude Era uh, book, and I can't remember what show it was on, but Macho Man is on top form and he's with Gene Oakland, and uh, he cuts Gene Oakland off in order to scream in his face, "Your mustache is crooked!" And honestly, <laughs> I had to pause the stream because I was laughing that much. Just completely unnecessary. Just no need for it. Just in his face. Your mustache is crooked. Okay. <laughs> Cheers, Macho Man. 
<laughs> um, we move on then to the semi-main, which was the tag team match between Donna Del Mondo and Prominence. So the Donna Del Mondo team of Suri and Tekla and the Prominence team of Akane Fujita and Risa Sarah going to a 20-minute time limit draw. What do you think, Matt? Jeez, I guess some... Putting those submissions and kicks, and she's always one of the hardest hitters in this company. But I mean, I guess it made sense. You have prom, you know, uh, prominence coming in as almost an invasion angle. She she took this thing personal because I mean, her and Rise of Sarah right from the beginning. It, I thought they had really good chemistry, and but right right from the get go, I mean, her her kicks were this. I mean, geez, I mean, she's throwing these things. It's it's sounding like someone's hitting a four hundred foot home run in Yankee Stadium on these kicks. Uh, I thought they had good chemistry. Fujita kind of was hit or miss for me in this match. There's some things that I kind of just didn't like. I thought she had some really good submissions on Tekla. There was one point where Tekla, uh, she was pinning Tekla, and she had her hand on Tekla's wrist. So immediately I see that, and I think, okay, Tekla's going to kick out heavy, and she's going to put some sort of wrist submission on. And she put like a, when she kicked out, she grabbed Tekla's arm and made her choke herself and kind of sat in a camel clutch. So I was a big fan of that. You can kind of tell where they were going with this with a very slow pace, especially in the middle of this match. You're just like, oh, this is going to a time limit draw. Uh, it was solid, but I just, I don't know. There was something for me as far as Prominence's first match that I kind of missed here up until the uh, the promo afterwards. Uh, I gave it three and a quarter stars. You know, they all worked hard. There was some hard-hitting action here. But I just thought for, like, this big match that they've been building up with the invasion group of Prominence, I thought it just missed a little. I thought that maybe Prominence should have went over or should have ended, like, in a big melee brawl completely agree with you um i i wouldn't have been opposed to just prominence ruining random donna del mondo matches until world climax because that would have built that to such a crescendo that the hardcore element was needed here it just felt it felt like any other tag match um which is a shame because they built it really really well up until that point i thought reese sarah looked good i'm not overly convinced on Fujita, um, but that might just be personal preference. Um, I thought Tekla looked great. I thought Suri, you know, the strikes she was pulling looked great. That confrontation... She wasn't wasn't pulling any strikes, I'll tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the confrontation between her and Risa Sarah, I imagine somewhere down the line we're getting a singles match. But this was all about the angle, which sort of leads me to think that we could have just had the angle without this match. I felt like this match was... It wasn't necessary. I feel like, again, if we just got prominence ruining Donna Del Mondo matches, you know, almost calling out Julia, like um, Cutie Suzuki did at the end. Cutie Suzuki. Suzu Suzuki, sorry. Um, Comes out at the end and basically says, you're scared of me. I know that you don't want to fight me. Just doing stuff like that, that's great. That does enough to build up that massive match at World Climax, I feel like... Let me ask you a question. Are you more excited for that World Climax match because of this or not? Well, I guess a little bit, just because now, because of the promo afterwards where uh, she said, hey, it's your birthday, I got you a present, they bring out a light tube, and I'm not much of a hardcore person. I, I mean, in, in, in spaces, it's okay, but it's like there's no way they're not using tubes now. You can't, and it may not be at World Climax, but, uh, I mean, it may be somewhere down the road, but you can't bring that in as the main point of your promo as Julia's birthday present. 
and not have it used at some point. And maybe just because of how stacked the World Climax show is, maybe it's like we are going to have a hardcore match. But I, they did address the uh, one area that me and you had concern of, where it's like, well, Julian Siri had this title match. And then one of them, uh, you know, on night one, and then one of them is going to go on the main event to defend against Mayu. They really shouldn't be concerning themselves with prominence because the most important prize in all of stardom is the main focal point for the two of them. So I did like how Siri said, you know, we have a title match. Somebody from DDM is going to fight somebody from prominence. And I'm hoping it's a combination of Mirai, uh, because she's probably the hardest hitter in the group. That's not Sherry. Mirai, Micah, or Himika. Because this match needs to be, you know, hard hitting. So, yeah, definitely, uh, like I said, the match was just okay. But the promo afterwards, I thought was really good. It's like, I know it's your birthday. Here's your gift. And it's like, you know, it's a weapon of destruction that the prominence team is, uh, is used to. I can't see this match at World Climax taking place without Julia. I feel like the feud between Suzu Suzuki and Julia, that is the entire nucleus around which this feud needs to be built because it's those two that have the huge history. It's, you know, I know that Risera saw the de facto leader, but I feel like Suzu Suzuki, or that's how it seems anyway, Suzu Suzuki and Julia, it's those two that are butting heads. It's the, It was, you know, Suzuki burst into tears about how Julia left her in an ice ribbon and things like that. So for Julia not to be in that huge match makes no sense. Now, whether that telegraphs the finish of night one and tells us that Suri is going to be winning, I don't know. That's That's up for debate, but that promo did infinitely more for that match at World Climax than the match at Corican did. Um, it does sort of answer a question that Stretch on Discord had for us. He wanted to know how far do you think into hardcore are we going to go in this match? I think we've sort of uh, made our bed now. We've got to line it with the light tubes. I mean, Suzu Suzuki pulls out a light tube, having unwrapped it because it's Julie's birthday. Um, I feel like if they weren't to use light tubes, it would have been a little bit pointless bringing that out. Um, I mean, there's five of prominence. There are 483 members of Donna Del Mondo, so they should be able to source a replacement for Suri. I imagine that could be something... (sighs) What about this? So there's five members of prominence. You do an elimination match, elimination hardcore match, and the five people from Donna Del Mondo are Julia, Tekla, um, Nats boy, Micah, and Mirai. And Julia chooses Mirai over Himika. Is that then the straw that breaks the Donna Del Mondo back? The fact that Jul- um, Himika has been overlooked for a singles title match, and now she's being overlooked because Julia would rather tag with her friends Mirai and Tekla than, you know, her older friend, so to speak, in stardom in Himika. Um, it's, you know, it's a potential story beat. I don't know if that's the way they'll go or whether Julia will just wrestle twice. I don't know. Or whether Suri will just wrestle twice, depending on what night they do it on. Either way, I feel like, like I said before, this promo, which was great, you know, the pull-apart brawl, Suzuki literally throwing Julia over her head with that released German suplex, that did more for the build for the match at World Climax than this tag match did. I felt like the match was a bit of a damp squib. 
We move on to the main event of the show then, which was the Artist of Stardom Championship match with the champions Himika, Micah, and Natsupoi, my Himipoi, defeating Younger Weathertai, Starlight Kid Ruwaka, and Rina, with Natsupoi getting the victory with the Lamb Magistral in 19 minutes. It's a Corican Hall show, and we have got Rina and Ruwaka on top in a title match. I thought that was great, Matt. Yeah, again, you're shuffling the card up. You're looking towards the future. You know, I sometimes I look at the stardom roster, and, you know, we talk about how fortunate we are to be doing this podcast at pretty much almost like the height of stardom, and it just it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And then we're kind of just like, you know, we hope the bubble doesn't burst, but as long as everybody stays healthy. I mean, look at the, everybody they have in their teens and young 20s. You know, and I'm not saying that, like, Mayu Itani's older or anything. I mean, she, I hope she's with the company for forever and a day. But it's just like you look at the young talent, just like they have no qualms about putting them in the main event at these legendary venues that is Cork and Hall. Uh, you know, again, Rena, she was your MVP and she comes out and she has this new gear. What do you think about her new look? Because I, I was all about it. I think she looked fantastic. I think it was the one sort of aspect that I thought she could improve on because the gear was the gear she had before was fine. It, you know, it was fine. But here she felt like a star. Now, I've seen someone on Twitter, I can't remember who it was, who said it's the inverse gear of her sister, Hannon. I don't see it. There are similarities, definitely. I don't know if it's the you know the direct inverse, but if it's the same style as Hannon, I think that's a great touch. Um, they all have new ring jackets, which I think is great. I think it distinguishes younger Oedetai as a team, along with, you know, the other Oedetai. And having Starlight Kid as that bridge between the two teams is great. Um, but yeah, I thought Rena looked the part and I felt like she managed to wrestle. She had a really good exchange with Himika in this. And when you consider the size, Himika's five foot nine, I think, and Rena is four foot eleven. So five foot seven, Himika. That's a huge height difference. And obviously they're built very, very differently as well. But I thought Rena held her own and they were able to tell that story of Himika being a lot bigger than Rena. And again, it all goes down to that storytelling that Rena has improved on so, so much. I thought Ruwaka looked good here with a brand new hair as well, Matt. Yeah, I thought everybody looked really good here. And even uh, my Himipoi, who their strong suit is supposed to be dancing and it's kind of an inside joke it is. And I thought this was probably their best dance, uh, the three of them <laughs> together. It, it kind of, Sometimes uh, Himika looks like that she doesn't even want to be there, but she smiled a little bit more on the dance, which was, which, which was, uh, you know, that's always gets a, a thumbs up for me. But yeah. I mean, this nonstop action. I thought everybody looked good here. Obviously Starlight Kid is the star on the Uita Thai team and pretty much 90% of the roster as well. They did a good job building up uh, uh, Himika's superplex. They did like where she was going to suplex Starlight Kid and she had her up all the way. And then she brought her back down and Kid's feet landed perfectly on top of the uh, the metal being going against a turnbuckle. I'm like, man, if she was just a half an inch off to the left or right, poor kid would have probably slipped all the way down. Uh, and then she winds up hitting it on, I believe it was Rena, going towards the end of the match. I thought it was cool how they built up that move. As a fan of that move, um, I thought that was a, a cool little cool little thing that they did there. But yeah, I thought this was really solid. Uh, I thought Natsupoi going over was fine, but I don't think she should have went over the Maestro Cradle. I thought maybe she used the Fairy Blink or the Fairy Splash or maybe something a little bit more devastating instead of like a flash pin to end the main event out of a Corican show. I thought it would have, you know, to put a statement on their win, uh, I thought it would have been a little better. But 
it was it was fine. It was solid. Everybody looked really good. Again, these young up and comers from really the whole roster, they're doing a good job getting them reps and putting them in a the spotlight uh, where they can shine. And I thought that uh, everybody shined very well here. And to me, Starlight Kid was the MVP of this match. And you know, kind of made sense that they needed Starlight Kid to be the MVP of the match. You know, based on what happened afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. So. Donna Del Mondo retain, um, my Himipoi retain. It's their fifth successful title defense. Um, but when it's I fuming at the fact that Natsupoi has managed to win with a live magistral, they continue the beatdown on Natsupoi after the bell. Where Himika and Mika are during this, I've got no idea. Just sort of bailed. Um, but they've left Natsupoi. Natsupoi is getting beaten up. And who should come to the ring? But Kyrie. Okay, not Kyrie Hojo. Kyrie. See, Valkage, I'm doing well. Um, and basically, they have a stare down that results in Starlight aiming a punch. Kyrie ducks, goes for the spinning back fist, which Starlight ducks again. Again, doing all this in heels is Kyrie, which is mightily impressive. Um, and they then have a confrontation. So Starlight gets a microphone. She sits on the corner post, challenges Kyrie to a singles match on night two of World Climax. Kyrie then gets to the top of the other rope to address Starlight, which again, in huge heels, is mightily impressive. Um, she agrees. They sort of inch towards the middle of the rope to sort of shake on it. Kyrie holds a hand out and Starlight slaps her and runs away like a spoiled brat. I thought this exchange was really, really good, Matt. I thought it was really good. I think I even texted you. I was like, I don't know if you saw what happened, but Kari did the craziest thing I've seen in a wrestling ring in quite some time. And you're like, I need to see this. And the fact that she throws, she threw the spinning back fist with the speed and accuracy she did in those heels. And then when Starlight Kid went to go hit her, she almost like moonwalked back to like miss the strike. I'm like, that's like the crazy. Like, I would have blown my knee out. Hands down, <laughs> I would have matches off. And then she climbs to the top of not only the heels, but my wife pointed out, for someone who owns about 90 pairs of heels and shoes, my wife pointed out they weren't just heels. They were boots that went like all the way past her knee, which she told me is even more impressive. So the fact that we just thought it was heels and we were blown away, you know, she's like, no, 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 those are boots that go all the way up to her knee. So I don't even know how she even, one, got in the ring, two, through the back fist, three, was able to get out of Starlight Kid's strike, and then climbed on the top rope. So I was like, wow, as if I wasn't impressed enough. So... <laughs> Um, post-match then obviously Natsupoi thanks Kyrie. there's a lot of history between Natsupoi and Kyrie. they used to be a tag team called Poirates which genuinely might be the greatest tag team name in the history of wrestling um, and they sort of embrace and Kyrie promises to watch Natsupoi's white belt challenge against, Natsup against Sayakamitani sorry at Cinderella Journey which was amazing because the last time that Natsupoi went for the white belt, which was way back in July of 2021. She wore the gear that Kyrie gifted to her because Kyrie was a huge hero of Natsupoi. And now Natsupoi is able to wrestle for the white belt with her hero, Kyrie, watching on, which I thought was a really nice story beat that I hadn't even thought of going into this show. So that adds a little bit of extra emotion into the match for Natsupoi. It makes me. Very, very excited to go and see that. Uh, what did you give this match then, Matt? It was three and a half for me. Spot on for me as well. I thought it was just short of three and three quarter. I thought 
all six women did fantastically well. And then the story development that we got with Kyrie and Starlight Kid and then Kyrie and Natsupoi, brilliant. I thought it topped the show off really, really well. And that's that. Those are all the two shows that happened this week. I just want to quickly ask you a couple of things, Matt. So Stardom, We Are Stardom put up a training video of Momo Kogo. Um, obviously, Hazuki's training here at the moment in preparation for the new Blood show. And at the end of the video, someone comes down the stairs and Hazuki mentions a sensei. So, you know, a teacher but we only see their shoes as they walk down the stairs. Now, I don't know if you have seen this video yet, Matt, but someone mentioned Kagetsu and the internet blew a gasket. I'm going to go out on a limb now and say it ain't going to be Kagetsu. If it is Kagetsu, I will happily eat my hat. If it's Kagetsu, I will lose my shit. But I don't think it's going to be Kagetsu. I just I feel like there's still too much animosity between the two and i know that kagetsu is doing stuff for the hannah memorial show so i just i don't see it someone else mentioned that it could be akti asakawa which i'd be very happy with i can't imagine it's in a wrestling capacity but even so just as you know we mentioned Kyrie potentially being sort of a face of stardom uh, if she could wrestle it'd be brilliant if akti asakawa is that someone even mentioned that it looked like a bloke so it could be something like jushin thunder liger for example do you have any idea who it could be, Matt, who you'd like it to be? What do you think? Uh, I, and not in a bad way. I'm a little exhausted of all these mystery people are trying to figure out. It's almost like an episode of Scooby-Doo. <laughs> but, between it's Kyrie and now who's the second bucket hat lady and who's this person. But, I mean, if, if she's training at the Stardom Dojo, uh, Kagetsu was one of the main traders for a long time, so there's that. Uh, I mean, everybody kind of knows Kay Fabian are, are behind the scenes that Milano Collection AT has been train having been having a big helping hand training these ladies. So I mean, it'd be kind of cool if like you know they did something with Milano because he's a very charismatic uh, character, and I think his character would fit in very well uh, with some of the stuff they do in Stardom. Jushin Liger, that'd be awesome. Like even just like a one-off, you know, where he kind of just comes out to the ring, or you, they have him in YouTube segments just to kind of get the "We Are Stardom" uh, YouTube, you know, some more hits. But I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, all those, all those are uh, good. You know, ha- you know, having act there as well. All those are uh, really good uh, people to kind of look towards. But you kind of, I mean, if you're doing these mystery people, you kind of want to maybe to end with Kari. I mean, because she's kind of going to be the biggest surprise out of, out of all of them. I mean, even if you do Liger, Liger's a bigger star, but he's retired. Mm. So, I mean, there's that. So, I don't know. I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. But, man, they love doing these mystery things, don't they? And, again, that's by no mean a bad thing. It's just, like, it just it just kind of exa- almost mentally exhausts me to the fact of, like, who are they going to bring in now? I mean, it might not be anyone. It would be hilarious if it was just someone misinterpreting something, and it was it was just Milano Collection AT. Um, no, I, hold on, I'm going to cut you out because I have an idea. Okay, so Hazuki's oh in. Who, okay, so Hazuki's. So they're in stars. Hazuki's in stars. Who's her tag partner? Uh, Kagama. It's called. It's her in a bear outfit. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> There you go. We've sold it. We've sold it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I just want to talk a little bit about Patreon before we go off the air. Um, 
Steve Gaglomanos, one of our great patrons, um, has pointed out that in the March poll, the B Priestley retrospective actually finished third. Yes, Steve, it 100% did. But as the Momo Watanabe white belt retrospective also won, me and Matt made the executive decision to not do two retrospectives in a month because at some point I do have to sleep and breathe. So I li- we made the... Um, we made the executive decision to uh, change it to Nene Takahashi versus Meiko Satomura for this month. And then we will do B after April. And you'll see why we're going to do it after April in a moment. So just a reminder that the Patreon episodes next month on the 2nd of March, it is a match review. We had a tie versus Queen's Quest in a loser leaves unit match from the seventh anniversary show. The 16th of March, that is then going to be another match review, Nene Takahashi versus Meiko Satomura, stardom the highest 2012 match review, and then the big kahuna on the 30th of March, which is the Momo Watanabe white belt retrospective, which I know Matt is exceptionally excited about doing, as am I. Um, The reason that we talked about doing anything else after April is because we've done something a little bit different with this month's poll for the April Patreon bonus episodes. And the reason is because with Kyrie returning, we are debuting insane April. Uh, so all of our um, options this month are all based around Kyrie. So just to go over the options, we've got the Stardom Shining Stars 2017 Night 1, which was Kyrie's final show. We've got a Kyrie Hojo White Bell retrospective. We've got uh, the Thunder Rock versus Kyrie Hojo and Mako Satomura, Stardom the Highest 2016 match review. Stardom, um, sorry, Kyrie Hojo versus Hudson Envy from the Five Star Grand Prix Final from 2015, that match review. And then we have got Kyrie Hojo versus Maiko Satomura, the Stardom Galaxy Stars 2015 match review as well. There are going to be another two options on there at the end of tonight, hopefully up by the time you get this podcast. So if you are a Patreon on any of our tiers, high speed, white belt, or red belt, you can go and vote for what episode you want me and Matt to do for April. And that poll will go down, I think it closed on March the 24th because we need time to watch it. And the first episode from that will go live on Wednesday the 13th of April, which is Rob's birthday. So don't know why I talked about myself in the third person, but there we are. Uh, final thing just to mention, I just want to shout out all of our patrons over on patreon.com forward slash the stardom cast. You've all been absolutely amazing. Thank you so much to everyone that's interacted with us. Um, we really do appreciate it. We've got some um, news coming your way about the Q&A, which will be taking place in March and about the uh, live hangouts, which again, We'll get some information to you shortly. But thank you again to Joseph Usher, Rob Jones, Niagara Driver, John Owen, Valkage Bracker, Tom, Ed BC, Brandon Neal, Steve Clark, Tony Stanley, Emerson Stone, Alex Tremaine, IWEP Network, Mike, Spike SP, Jeff Baker, Doden Solar, Steve Kaklamanos, Colin Matthew, Eric Sandoval, Ben Grimshaw, and our newest patron, Devontae Walker. Thank you, every single one of you, for subscribing to our Patreon. As we get more patrons, I might just start shouting out the newest members, because otherwise, if we get many more patrons, half the episode is just going to be me shouting out these wonderful people. So, But thank you to everyone that has subscribed. So, 
we will be back on Saturday for our patrons with our review of Cinderella Journey 2022 in Nagaoka. And we'll be back on Sunday for those listening on our free feed. Uh, Thank you very much for listening. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star review and a comment if you think we've earned it because it really does help on the exposure of the podcast. Um, You can find us on Twitter at The Stardom Cast, the same on Facebook, and you can go and check out the YouTube channel as well. All of our episodes are uploaded a couple of days later just because of the way the uh, platform that we use works. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at at RealRobGoodwin. Matt, where can they find you? Search for me, guys, on the Twitter and or the Instagram, Matt Turner LF. Bookings, uh, any questions, merchandise, uh, anything you guys need, I'm pretty readily available uh, on there. And thank you for all the kind words that we get. Yeah, we've we've had some really nice comments this week uh, from Patreon and on Twitter. So thank you to anyone that sends us nice comments. It's always nice to hear nice comments. So if you've got them, throw them our way. It's always nice to read them. Thank you. Um, and until next time, guys, we will talk to you guys again soon.